Well, I, I had a message all figured out and uh, changed everything yesterday. Just because I, I feel like it's, it's hard to think about anything else other than what's happened in Haiti. And uh, I'm assuming that, like me, all those images that uh, we saw, whether on the television or on the internet, it uh, affected us deeply. The way that we thought, the way that we lived this week, we were impacted by it. It kind of puts all of our, our problems in perspective. Um, but actually, uh, there's another group here that I want to address, and, and a lot of this message is for you too. There are probably a, a lot of you in this room that you were actually bothered that those images didn't bother you that much. And as you see other people even crying and so distraught, something in you was almost disturbed that you kind of went on with life as usual with a few thoughts here, but you're able to kick it out of your mind. I struggled with this because, you know, part of me is like, man, there are people right now, and and I can't get my mind around it. I've never had anything even remotely close to that happen to me, where right now people are walking around the streets, like just pulling bodies out of rubble and seeing... I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. And, and, and so that's, that's frustrating. But then there's this other side that's even more frustrated that, and I'm just living life. And I'm going on, or I just went a few hours without thinking about them. And, and I see other people that are even more distraught. And I go, gosh, I want to I wanna be more like that. I, I want to care more. And, um, and I, I want you to understand that... Uh, those who are givers and those who naturally, or I should say naturally, supernaturally, think about these other people, that's only by the grace of God. It's a gift from God. Um, today is not going to be, hey, you know, these people are suffering, so feel guilty and throw a couple bucks in the plate. Um, it's, it's much bigger than that. It's, it's, it's about our hearts and Aren't there times when you see people that are such great givers and you go, man, I wish I was more like that. But I think about myself too much still. I'm still consumed with myself. I can't even take my mind off of myself to think about these people that are struggling so much right now. And it bothers you because something in your heart's going, this isn't right. And, um, and I want to address those things. Because really, we've got to understand, it's, it's what God does in us, right? It's the grace of God. It's what he does. And uh, I was even thinking this morning, I was so grateful for just even changes in my own life. Because I, I have seen a change. I, I think about just how greedy I was. You ever, you ever just think back to uh, who you used to be? Um, and you're almost disgusted with yourself. And I, I remember as a little kid, I used to steal from my dad. I used to just steal money, you know, like if I see some change on the table, I would take it, you know. And I remember this one closet, the one jacket he would always wear, he always kept change in the pocket. So I would sneak in that closet, grab, you know, a handful of change, throw it in mine, and leave some so it's not so obvious. I did this week after week, and then finally he figured it out. And, but he didn't know who did it. So he called all four of us, kids, and uh, he says, I'm going to beat the heck out of all four of you. Unless one of you confesses. And I said, I didn't do it. <laughs> and all my brother and sisters, and like, we didn't do it. And I, I just, I called his bluff. And he didn't hit us. Um, 
So, but, but I, I just think about, man, that was, that was me, you know, and I, and I, I look of just, just the greed that I had in so much of my life for so long. And, uh, and I think if God had just left me to myself, how greedy and self-centered I'd be today. But again, it's the grace of God. You start thanking God and go, God, thank you that I'm not that person anymore. Thank you that your spirit came into me and actually had an impact on my life. And I see this progression. I still see some junk. And my prayer this morning was, I'm going, God, I love it. I love, you know, how you've moved me to this point. I go, but I still see some greed in me. I still see some self-centeredness. And I want you to change that. Because I see people that are just awesome givers. And I want to be that at the end of my life. Ah, yeah, I'll tell you. Okay, right after this last service, I was talking to a girl over here. She, uh. She just got back from Haiti like two days. She left Haiti two days before the earthquake. And uh, oh, this, is, this is so awesome, okay? And, and here's one thing. You know, people, she, she says, you know, I've had so many friends go, man, aren't you so glad you got out of there? And she goes, no. She says, it's killing me that I'm not there right now. And she goes, but something could happen. She goes, that, that, that's Okay. It's like I'm dying to be back over there. Like that's that's the heart is not, you know, and there's something beautiful about that. Just the sincerity as she's crying. Like, I don't want to be here. What do you think? I'm glad I left. I, I may, Maybe I could have been useful over there. And, and maybe I could, I, I could just, I want to spend my life that way. But she told me this story. Okay, because I tell this other, oh, now I got to tell the other story now. Okay, who cares? Okay, let me tell you. Ah, I'm totally confused. Okay. I was telling the story. Okay, I'll tell you that story. Okay, I'm just going to talk to myself for another 30 seconds. Um, okay, but I was talking, and, and you'll see later, okay, in the passage. You know, I'm trying to think of the flow of my message, but forget it now. Um, and I was talking about people who don't have a lot, and they still give. You know, and I was talking about going over to these certain areas with Children's Hunger Fund, where you go when you pass out, you know, those gift packs, um, and... Uh, those, those food packs in this one family, you know, people will find out that you're coming and here are the poorest people and they just want to give, right? They just want to give anything they can and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's, it's embarrassing. It's almost like, I don't want you to do that. Uh, you know, like, like a family, all you're giving them is, is a box that you guys packed and you, you know, and you know what's in there, some rice, some beans, some canned goods, some, you know, supplies for a little while and they get so, they have such a heart of giving even though they have nothing and they'll slaughter their goat for you you and they'll have a meal prepared as you hand them this box and it's, it's almost embarrassing like you just want to go no no don't do that don't 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 slaughter that's your one possession not your goat don't give it to me i don't want it i feel i don't even like goat you know it's just it's just don't but but it's it's they just have this heart it's so beautiful you know where you just i don't even understand that but the gal that just got back from haiti she was telling me she goes oh when you told the story about that goat she goes i just started bawling because I just remember being in Port-au-Prince, you know, last week, and, and, and this, uh, this girl, you know, it was, it was kind of rainy that day, and, you know, we trudged into her place, and, and uh, she goes, we couldn't really communicate, but she saw, like, the mud on my shoes, and she, she waves me back to the back of the house, and she starts pumping water out of this, this pump thing, and she takes her sh- my shoes off of me, and I'm going, no, 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 and I can't communicate. She goes, but she's taking my shoes and taking a brush, and she's, you know, cleaning off my shoes. She goes, then she gets down on, on her knees and starts cleaning my feet, and she goes, 
because I'm just so embarrassed. Like, no, no, I came to serve you. And yet you just want to give. And, and she goes, you know what it feels like to have this, this woman cleaning your shoes and, and, and washing in between your feet and just wanting you to be so protected and so clean and just wanting to give. She goes, and she died in the earthquake. And she was thrown in a mass grave with 7,000 other people. And I go, man. But she's not just a number in there. Like everything's noticed by God. And what a, what a great thing. What an amazing thing. But as she's telling me that story, it's just like, oh. And she's just talking about the, the misery this week of just going, I, I was on that street. I saw this. I saw that. And her husband was there. And he was telling me about this. And, but that, that heart of giving you know, when you, you think of that gal that, that washed her feet or whatever, and she's just saying, you know, she's with the Lord now. She's with the Lord now. She's with God now. And, and the hope in that. But isn't there, you know, when you hear that story of that gal and you picture her washing this American girl's feet and just wanting to serve, there's something beautiful. And, and I think it bothers some of us. This isn't any good. It just, it's just in us we go, I want to be like that girl. I want to be a servant. That's what I see in Jesus. Why is it that I, I think about myself so much and what I can accumulate for myself? Why can't I do that? Why can't I be like that girl? She doesn't have anything. She's pumping water. She's scrubbing the shoes. She's giving whatever she can. And that's the way she ended her life. And she's with the Lord now. And what an amazing, amazing thought. Um, but as I, as I, as I prayed uh, about what to talk about today, like I said, we, we can't get our minds around it, Right? Um, and, uh, but what I do is I try to think whenever I see someone in need, I try to put myself in their shoes and go, okay, if I were him, okay, let's, let's see that, that crack addict there on the street. What would I want someone to do for me? Uh, what would I want, you know, someone's, you know, begging for money. What do I, what would I want someone to do? What I want them to just throw me a buck. Well, that wouldn't be the best for me. I, I'd want conversation. I want, so I try to think, what would I do? And so I'm, I'm trying to think about as, as well as I can people in Haiti right now. Let's say our, our brothers and sisters, the believers there in Haiti, who, who I hear are walking through the streets singing hymns right now, which blows my mind. But I think, what would I want my brothers and sisters in Simi Valley, California, to be doing for me. And I just try to put myself in that place and I think about the prayers that they would want me to pray and, uh, uh, and, and whatever I can do, you know, how to aid. And I try to think, okay, what does God want me to do? So those are some of the things I want to talk about today. Um, because, it, you know, what's really cool and the reason why I changed this is everyone's talking about it. I, I have, I've had people all week, some of you who come to me and go, what are we going to do? You know, what's cornerstone? How are we going to respond? And that's awesome. I, I've, had, I've had people, complete strangers come up to me that know who I am. They go, hey, hey you're, that, you're that pastor guy. Um, what, what, what can I do? I've had unbelievers ask that. Hey, what can I do? And I think it's a really beautiful thing. I think that's awesome that people just, there's something in you that goes, I want to help. Even people who don't believe in God Going, I want to help. And, 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 and here's the thing. I was going to speak on Romans chapter 1 today. Romans chapter 1, and one of the things that surprised me, and we'll talk about that next week, but one of the things that surprises me as I'm reading through Romans 1, not that I haven't read it a bunch of times, but every time it hits me, how bold God is with just saying, look, you know that I exist. Everyone knows that I exist. They decide to suppress that truth. 
You can be told your whole life that you're an accident and that you came from nowhere, but you look around the world and you know that I exist. You know there's a creator to all of this. Even though you suppress it, even though you try to push it away, you can look around and know. And I was thinking, you know, all these people who care about Haiti and everything else, to me, that's proof that there's a creator. Because use the theory of evolution and explain why you care. Why is it that you care about these people? According to natural selection, survival of the fittest, they're a bunch of losers who couldn't figure out how to build, who couldn't figure out how to sustain their way of living. So forget them. Let's evolve. Let's move on. Forget about them. There's no room for that. No, but something in you, when you see that, you care. Could it be that Romans 2 is true and that God's actually written his law into our hearts, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you see someone who's, who's in need, there's something about you, some law in you that says, I shouldn't just leave them alone. In fact, it bothers me when I can walk away. I mean, to me, I go, well, it's just another thing that points to the creator. Why do I care so much? Why did some of you cry this week? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make more sense that there's a creator who cares and has made you in his image with a desire to give and that sometimes your greed even bothers you because what you long to be is a giver and that's by the grace of God. Let me talk about what we've done already. Uh, remember you guys, we, we took an offering on December 20th just in case an emergency happened. And um, we, we talked about how we wanted to give um, some money to those who were in India, uh, some of the widows and orphans from the massacre that took place of a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters, a lot of pastors' families that were left out in the jungle. And we were able to take, a, we, you guys gave $120,000 that week. And that was over at Royal High School, which is great. And we were able to use about 60000 of that to build a couple of stories on this uh, orphanage that's being built out there. And it'll house about 150 uh, widows and orphans in that place. And so that's huge. That's awesome. That's a sustainable thing. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to keep serving them. And, and then some of the other money is going to go directly to Children's Hunger Fund um, to ship some, some stuff over to the Dominican Republic and Haiti. And what's amazing is that CHF, they just finished training a bunch of leaders over there for this Mercy Network so they would know how to pass things out and not just you know, throw the supplies out there, but also care for the people, pray over them, love on them. They have a whole training thing over there with the locals so that we don't get any of the, you know, it's just like let the, let the locals care for themselves and let's just uh, enable them, equip them to do that. And, uh, and their, their shipment of, of food packs arrived there on Wednesday. So it just happened to arrive, you know, just in time for all of that. Um, but there's still more stuff to be done. And so some of the money that you gave is going toward that. And we're also in the process right now of just researching and looking at these different organizations that claim to be giving. Because to be honest, I'm very skeptical, very skeptical of, of ministries and where does the money really go. And so we're, we're, we're not just... Uh, because I, I understand a need and an urgency, and, and, and believe me, I'm Mr. Impatient. So, you know, let's get it out there. But there's also a wisdom in going, okay, but how is this going to be sustained over time? 
And uh, what about two months from now when the world takes their mind off of that because something else happened? Um, how are we going to keep doing that? And just being wise with my money, your money, God's money, and just going, okay, I, I wanted to go to the right places. So pray for the Global Ministries team. They've been you know, researching all week, looking, and, and uh, it, it's just hard to trust nowadays, isn't it? And so you just go, okay, I want to find out who it is. Um, so uh, what else am I saying? I guess that's it. Just, just, just be praying for that. And, uh, and just, I, I guess in some ways I'm asking you, you to trust the elders of Cornerstone in, uh, in finding those places and picking the right places. I trust the guys immensely. I look at their lives and go, you know, they're, they're trustworthy. This is not for them. Because I know some of you come here and you go, well, what, what's he getting at? And how much is he going to get? How much is this guy going to get? And, and I, don't, I don't say this for any other reason than I know some of you are skeptical because I would be. Um, I, I just want you to know, and I've shared this before, I don't, I don't take a dime of what you give, okay? None of the offering. I don't get paid by the church. This is my volunteer ministry. This is something I want to do. I come and I give to the church. I give to these needs. I trust these elders that the money is going to go to the right place. Okay, so I don't want you up there, you know, if you're visiting or whatever, thinking, yeah, but how much does that guy get? I don't get paid by the church. Um, I, I can make money other ways. I, I, I sell drugs. I do a lot of different things. <laughs> but um, it's just, but, but I want you to feel comfortable. Does that make you feel more comfortable? Okay, oh, okay, he's a drug dealer. No, um, it's, it's, just, it's just, you know, I speak, I write, I do different things. But um, but I, I want you to, I, I, just, I just go, you know, today we don't have this one organization that's going to save everything. And, and, and I'm just saying, you know, just trust the elders. We're praying through it. We're working through it. Be patient because we want to be wise with the money. And then uh, just, just give and trust in that way. Um, let me change uh, the subject. Staying with this topic of Haiti, though, I want to answer a question that probably is on some of your minds and definitely on a lot of the minds of your friends. Why would God let this happen? God addresses this in the Bible. Similar things happen in Jesus' day. We call them tragedies, like... Okay, why, why, why Haiti? Is there something they did? Who is that guy? Is it Pat Robertson or whatever? It said, you know, they're cursed. But, you know, is that it? Is there a curse on them and not on us because we're so holy here in America? Is, is that it? You know, what, what's, why, why did this happen to him? And why would God let it happen to them? And Jesus was asked that question 2,000 years ago with some tragedies that happened in that day. And he answers it, and we're going to look at what Jesus said, but let me just tell you right now, some of you won't like his answer. In Luke chapter 13, in verse 1, he, he talks about the situation where uh, this, this leader, Pilate, uh, basically murders some people. It says, there was some present at that time, that very time who told him, him meaning Jesus, if you read in context, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans 
were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So they're saying, Jesus, okay, uh, Pilate, he, you know, he sacrificed these guys, he killed these guys. Okay, why them? Okay, were they worse than the other Galileans? And so, you know, this was your way, almighty God, because you're in control of everything. So you slaughtered them because they were worse. And God goes, is that what you're thinking? He goes, because let me just tell you right now, no, that's not the answer. But here's what I will say to you. Unless you repent, you're going to die like that too. That's it. Well, so there's another next, next uh, verse, verse four. Um, it says, oh, okay, or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So, so Jesus gives a, the answer. He says, okay, well, well, well here's more of a natural disaster where, where the, the tower fell and it happened to crush those 18, you know. And he goes, what, are you thinking that that was God's wrath just on them? Those 18 were the worst. Let me just put you at ease. No, that's not it. But you better repent because the same thing could happen to you. It's the only answer he gives. But then he explains it further with a parable that might bug you even more. Right after that, the next verse, he tells him this parable. He goes, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he didn't find any. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years I come seeking fruit from this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also. Uh, let me dig around it, put some manure on it. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So he, he says, let me explain it further. He goes, this is like this guy who's looking at this tree going, why would I have this fig tree that doesn't produce figs? Why don't I just cut it down? And the vine tree says, no, 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 leave it alone. Please, please, one more year. I want to do everything I can to make it bear fruit. And then a year from now, if it doesn't bear fruit, go ahead, cut it down. So his explanation in all this is, okay, yeah, that tower fell on those people, but it could happen to you also. And so you better repent or the same thing is going to happen to you. And then he uses the analogy. He goes, he goes, what's the point in having a tree that has no fruit? He goes, wouldn't the owner just want to chop it down and plant one that actually would bear fruit? He goes, so, so if, I, if I do everything and, and, and make it bear fruit, then, then maybe, maybe something will happen. He goes, but at some point I got to cut it down. It's a waste of space. See, Jesus' words, his whole point was, you know what, don't, don't worry about them so much. And why I did that, use it as an opportunity to repent before the same thing happens to you. Use it as an opportunity to say, wow, am I a tree that's actually bearing fruit? That, that's not just taking up space, but actually doing something on the earth? Is something good springing up from my life? It's, it's, it's crazy to me um, because Jesus doesn't really explain his reason behind the tragedy, right? And that's what we're waiting for. It's like, God, explain to me why that happened. And it bothers us because he doesn't explain why. All he does is say, worry about yourself. Take a, just, just think through your life. Because the same thing could happen to you. 
Now, when I first read that, I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothered me a little bit. Now I was able, after a while, to go, no, that is what he says. And I can, I, uh, I can get past it. And I, while I had a difficult time reading at first, I thought, no, I get that. I get that. But that's because um, I grew up in a very, very strange home. Okay, my upbringing was very weird. Okay, like when my dad told me to clean my room, I did it. I know, it's so weird. Um, whenever he told us to do something, we just did it. Uh, and, and I know some of you guys didn't grow up in homes like that. You grew up in a home where, where dad says, clean your room. You go, no, you clean it. And then he does, you know, but, but it's just, it's one of those things where, so I, I, I understand, okay, authority and he tells you to do something. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy things. Like if I said, hey, can I go to a friend's house? And he says, no. I didn't ask him why not. I just took it. Okay, thank you, Father. You know, and I just, you know, it's just, I understood authority, you know. So that's, I understand, it's weird. But, but so I look at a passage like that, and it's still difficult for me, but I go, well, I think he has certain rights as God to just say, look, this is, um, this is, uh, this is what's up. This is, uh, he, it's, it's, see, we don't like that explanation. I, I was thinking about this as I was talking last service. My five-year-old, Ellie, and uh, I can talk about her because she won't remember. And uh, she, uh, she came home from school, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. I don't remember when it was. And uh, she likes to tattle. You, you, you know, some kids, that's just what they like to do. And she's one of those. She just likes to say what everyone's doing wrong. And, and so I've kind of, I haven't really addressed it that much, you know, because when you get four kids, you just let things go. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, she, uh, she came home and she was all frustrated. She goes, you know, I was telling Miss Portessi about how, you know, this kid was doing this and this. And, uh, and Miss Portessi just looked at me and said, Ellie, Worry about yourself. And she was expecting like some comfort. I'm like, well, good. Good for her, you know. And she was just, you know, and then, then later on, like a week, you know, a few days later, you know, she, she was trying to tell on her little brother. And I go, Ellie, worry about yourself. And she, and she looks at me and she goes, you can't say that, Dad. Only Miss Portessi can. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, you're right. And I went and cleaned her room. You, you, <laughs> It's, it's just that, that, that whole concept of, wait, you can't tell me to just worry about myself. See, this, this, this uh, answer that Jesus gives is a very difficult answer in our culture because most of you want to worship a God who is obligated to explain everything to you until it sits well with you. You feel like you deserve, and he's obligated to explain why. And, and I'm telling you, that's just not how it works. He doesn't have to. You, you know, in fact, I, I love this. I, I thought of this story. You remember Jesus when he rose from the grave? And I shared this a few weeks ago about Peter. Remember Jesus rises from the grave and he tells Peter that at the resurrection, he tells Peter, he goes, Peter, look, when you were young, you had freedom. You could go wherever you wanted. When you're older, someone's going to take you by the hand and force you to go somewhere where you don't want to go. Remember I shared that? And how it, was, it says that Jesus was showing Peter the type of death that he was going to die. Basically, Peter, 
Someone's going to grab you by the hand. They're going to kill you. They're going to torture you. Jesus is prophesying and telling Peter, this is the way that you're going to die. Now, do you remember what Peter's response was to that? It's, it's, it's somewhat humorous. He looks at John. Remember that? And, and here, we have it in John, uh, John 21. When Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? <laughs> and look what Jesus says. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter, worry about yourself. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that, you don't like that answer, do you? You're like Peter. You know, Jesus just told you, you're going to get crucified. You're going to die like I, you know, just like I died. You saw how I was crucified? Someone's going to do that to you. And, and Peter's first thought is, what about John? <laughs> you always loved him. Oh, he's the beloved one. What are you going to do with him? Right? Tell me, tell me how he's going to die, you know, because if I'm going to get that, he did, you know, and, and Jesus, that answer that drives some of us nuts. Worry about yourself. What if I want John to live forever? What if I want him to live a nice little comfortable life? Are you, are you telling me I can't do that? He goes, Peter, you just follow me. And so when I look at this whole situation, we can spend our whole lives going, God, why this? Why this? Why this? And God gives us an answer that, that we don't really like. He says, just worry about yourself right now. Okay, why are you living so comfortably in Southern California? Just worry about that part. And what did I put you on the earth to do? You trust me. I'm a fair God. I got a lot of things going on. I understand more than you. And you just follow me. And uh, pretty, pretty powerful. And I, I want to remind you that this Jesus here, that says, what is that to you? You just follow me. That's who you're going to face at the end of your life. It's a Jesus that's not like a lot of our dads. It's a Jesus that doesn't really care about the American system and what is politically correct. He has no regard for that. He's the creator. And so for us to say, no, you must come under my system and tell me certain things that I believe you're, you're obligated to tell me. It just doesn't work. See, some people really believe, it seems like they genuinely believe that on Judgment Day, that Jesus is going to stand trial and you get to question him for everything he did in your, you know, during your life. And, and when I read scripture, I don't see that. I see the opposite. I see Judgment Day is for me. And so then what I do is I live my life in light of that, thinking not that at the end I get to judge God and tell him why, ask him why he did this, 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 this. At the end of his, at my life, he's going to say, hey, why? You were down there and you saw this happen. What, what did you do? You know, if, if it's my will that he remained till I come, you know what? What's that to you? You, you follow me. And, uh, and that's what I want us to do today is really just look at our lives and say, what should we do? In light of this, I mean, Jesus's words were, you know, hey, but that tower fell and crushed those people. And he says, well, use this as an opportunity for yourself because the same thing could happen to you. I mean, the nice thing about what happened in Haiti is, is you know, we're in Southern California. We don't have to worry about earthquakes, you know. <laughs> Do you realize 16 years today, 
Northridge earthquake. Someone just reminded me of that last service. Coincidence? Maybe. Here's what I want us to do. I mean, one, we've got to look at our lives and repent and go, okay, am I bearing fruit? Am I one of these trees that he wants on this planet? Um, and am I ready to go? Because life's crazy, right? No one woke up in Haiti that day going, I think this is it. As with every other tragedy, and so every funeral we attend, it, it's typically not, oh, I knew this was coming. It was just, are you kidding me? And so Jesus says, use those opportunities to look at yourself and go, well, unless I repent those same things, am I ready to face God? But beyond that, I thought, okay, what, what do I want to, uh, what do I want to be? You know, in, in, in Scripture, who do we look at? What's the right response? And the right response, I believe, there's this church, there are these churches in Macedonia that Paul talks about. And when I read it, and, and again, even when I was reading it first service, you could just see everyone's face light up like, wow, what an awesome church. What an awesome group of people. And when I was reading it this week, I go, man, that's who I want to be. You know, that, that idea of the givers. And I go, gosh, I would love to be that. God, I want that. And God, I want Cornerstone to be that. That is a great picture, great model. Second Corinthians chapter 8, um, starting in verse 1. It says, and he's writing to the Corinthian church and kind of giving them an example of this other church, these other churches. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. Don't, don't. Just skip over that phrase, the grace of God. Why were these people such great givers? Because of the grace of God. God made them that way. Left alone, they'd be just as selfish as everyone else. Because by the grace of God, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Okay, you understand? He goes, I, I got to tell you, I got to just brag on these churches in Macedonia. And, and it's not really about them. It's about the grace of God that's been given them. I mean, God just made them into awesome people. He goes, because you know that Paul was taking an offering for the, the Jews in Jerusalem. They're being, uh, the, the believers in Jerusalem, they were being persecuted. And, uh, and these churches in Macedonia hear about it. These churches in Macedonia, it says that they are extremely poor. So it, these were not rich churches. They were in extreme poverty, but in their extreme poverty, they had so much joy. You ever meet people like that? You ever go to a third world country and see extreme poverty and an abundance of joy? It's weird, but the two go together a lot of times. And it says in their joy, what they did was they go, can we give? Hey, can we give a little something? It would be like, you know, some of these villages in Africa that I've been to, for them to say, hey, we heard what happened in Haiti, can we give? It's the same mindset. It's like, well, we're so joking. Can we just, and, and it says, they gave according to their means. He goes, he goes Paul, Paul goes, look, 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 I, I can tell you, they gave according to their means. He goes, actually, I can testify, they gave beyond their means. They, they gave stuff where I, I felt guilty, like, no, 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 you can't afford to give that. 
You can't afford to give that. Don't, don't cut your goat. Don't give me that. Don't wash my feet. Don't, don't do this. He goes, that's what they were doing. They just, they just gave. And, uh, and, and it gave beyond, beyond their means of their own accord. It wasn't like someone was guilting him to it. You know, he goes, they were begging us. They were going, please just let us give. Let us help out. I know we don't have much, but can we please just give? We, we want to help out. We want to be a part of this relief of the saints. And I just read that passage. I go, what an awesome group of people, right? See, isn't there something in your soul that just leaps and goes, I wish I were that. I want to be that. I, I, th- those Macedonians, you think they regret it today? 2,000 years later, I think they're still pretty pleased. You, you see, because as Americans, a lot of us would look at this and go, oh, that's stupid giving beyond your means. You know, you, you should be thinking about yourself. And that, that wasn't very prudent of them. What are these poor people? What, what, what's, what they're going to... They're not going to be able to give a whole lot anyways. And, you know, you should just give of your excess and what's left over. And, and these guys gave beyond what they were able. That's, wow, that's so beautiful. And that's where the story of the goat was supposed to be inserted here. And then... And then the sermon would make sense. But um, I got too excited. Uh, so let's move on to verse 5. Um, next verse. And this, not as we expected. <laughs> like Paul saying, man, I didn't expect that. You, you know, I didn't want that. I almost, you, you almost don't want them to give. But they were just begging. And so he's like, all right, all right, all right, you can give to it. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should compete, complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I, I just love the way he just calls it an act of grace. You know, because so often when you go to church and they talk about giving, it's like this guilt thing. And... and and, and even as I was praying about this week, I go, God, I just don't want it to be that. It's, it's not about guilt. It's about this grace of God. You get to be a giver. Um, like you want to be a giver. I think something in us just looks at those people. I mean, have you ever looked at a, a person who's just giving and joyful and go, I don't ever want to be like her. <laughs> but what do you do when you see people that are stingy and, and hoarding and just still trying to grab onto everything and accumulate, you go, ah, I don't want to be like that. There's something beautiful about this. And it's the grace of God that you become like this. But, but notice what it says. It says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. It's talking about how they gave of themselves completely. See, what these people did was they surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ first. They just said, you know what, God, here's my whole life. They really meant it. You know, we pray prayer and say that we give our lives to the Lord, but a lot of us didn't really mean that. Here, people are saying, you know what, I'm dying to the old me. Everything I have is yours. I surrender. My whole life is yours. You want me in Haiti right now? You want me to lose my life? I'm going to lose everything? It's yours because I, I believe that you'll do what's best for my life. They did that. So they gave themselves first. The first thing you got to do, I'm not asking you. If you're not a believer, follower in Jesus Christ, please, please. That is, all this other stuff is secondary. 
Because the last thing I want you to do is throw a couple bucks in and make yourself feel better like you're a good person. Because there's, there's inherently something much, much deeper there. That's just a little band-aid on a, on, a, on a pretty massive wound. And so the idea here is, is give yourself first to the Lord. First understand that God doesn't need anything from you. Okay? It's not like God in heaven's like, oh, I hope this person gets saved because then he'll give 10% and oh, I need it. There's, there's, he doesn't need anything from me. He doesn't need anything from me. He wasn't like up there in heaven going, oh, good, Francis is born. Finally, someone to fix the earth. It, it, it's just, it, he does what he wants. He doesn't, he doesn't he's, he's the giver. And so understand first that God gave his son for you. Okay? You were going to pay for your crimes and God gave his son for you. He died on that cross for you. Okay? He was paying for everything you did wrong so that you could have forgiveness. He wants to give that to you. And he rose from that grave. And, and then he says, you know what? And I'll put my spirit in you that will change your heart so you can become. You see those givers that you go, man, they seem happier. They seem like they have more joy. Even though they don't have a lot, they just... He goes, I, I can make you into that. I can take, I could change that self-centered heart and make you actually care about other people like I created you for. And, uh, and some of you are going, man, are you kidding me? I, I've never been about other people. It's always been about me. And God says, no, I, I can change that. I can, I can fix that in you. And so understand, first things first, it's not about this outward act that's going to make you holy. It's about you being changed from the inside out and becoming holy because you gave yourself to the Lord and then suddenly these, fruit, you know, these, these, these things come out, these acts of service. It's not like you do these things to earn anything. You give yourself first to the Lord like these people did and then by the will of God, they became givers. They became like Jesus. And then in verse 8, if you go into the next... Uh, Verse, it says, I say this not as a command. Very important. He's not commanding the Corinthians to give now to, to the believers in Jerusalem. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Okay, so first, let's just make sure this is clear. Um, because I, I hear comments like this. Uh, let me just say, you can hear straight from my mouth. I don't believe that you are required, you, you Christians in the room, I don't believe you are required to give a certain amount of your income. From my study of Scripture, as I look through this, especially when I look at the New Testament, I don't believe that uh, we're, we're required to give this 10%, and so those who give their 10% go, ooh, good, I did it, and those who don't feel guilty all the time. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe it's commanded, and I don't believe that, uh, that, that we're commanding you to give. Here's, here's what I do believe, because I hear people say, oh, Francis thinks we should all live in poverty and, and give to those who are in need, and it, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't think you're required to do anything. What I'm saying is the same thing Paul is saying here is you have this awesome example in Jesus who was rich. Was he pretty well off? He's doing all right. In heaven. And what he does is he became poor, made himself nothing so that we all in this room could be rich, right? I mean, why are you here today? Because someone left all of his riches, came down and gave you a pretty awesome life. 
we were singing up here, I'm a friend of God. And in and, and that, that saying, you know, who am I that you're mindful of me and that you love me? And I, I love Brig, first of all, and I, I just love his heart. Just going, gosh, I'm just overwhelmed by this love of God. That are you kidding me? I am a friend of God. I am an heir, a fellow heir of all of his riches. So he came down and he sacrificed and he made me rich. And so as followers of Christ, all I'm saying is that desire should be in us. That's all I'm saying. It's not a command you got to give. I'm just saying, gosh, doesn't it prove to you that the Holy Spirit really is in your life that you actually have the same desire of Christ? You go, wow, I saw what he did for me. I'd love to empty myself and help these other people. That it's the response of having given your life over to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I think he says it real well. If we go to chapter 9, there's a couple of verses, verse 6 and 7. He says, the point is this. Here's, here's the real point of it. Whoever sows sparingly, that means whoever just gives a little bit, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, why is it that we stop passing the plate here? It's, it's largely because of a passage like this, where I didn't want anyone feeling guilty and going, oh, there's the plate, the guy next to me, I saw what he put in it. And uh, see, because that's under compulsion uh, or reluctant. Like, I really don't want to give this, but... I'm going to look really stupid next to that guy or my friends or why. I just don't want any of that because what God is most concerned about is, is the heart. He loves a cheerful giver. So in your heart, it, what, what should happen is have this desire where you're like Jesus. You actually are like Jesus and thinking, man, I want to help other people. And I couldn't wait to get to church because I thought through what I was going to give and I get to stick it in that box. It's, it's the, that's, that's all we want. The rest, there's no reward for that anyways. You, you want to do it out of love. You want to do it out of joy. And that's the point, is, is to believe not that, ooh, look at what a great person you are. You gave all that money. No, it's more, it's like, no, I'm just being a smart person. Because what the Bible says, the book that I trust says, if I give, I sow bountifully, I'm going to reap bountifully. That God's, God's going to bless me in this life and in the life to come. And if he gives me more, I get to give more. It's not this health wealth thing where, ooh, he'll give me more and then I can buy my mansion. It's like, wow, I get to be even more of a giver and more of a giver and more of a giver. It's the joy behind it. So understand that. And that's why Paul says this isn't about a command. It's not about you better do this or you can go to hell unless you give 10%. No, it's about you giving yourself to the Lord first and saying, I'd like to be like Jesus. I want to be a Christ Christian and become like him and that was beautiful. He left his riches and made my life wonderful. I want to do the same thing for other people. So God changed my heart and make me a giver. And that's what this is about. Uh, joyful giving. Going back to, and, and let's, let's finish up in, um, in chapter 8, verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what, have you done, what you've done. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. What does this tell you? Is it about the amount? No, because maybe you don't make a whole lot. 
Don't worry about it. It's, it's about your readiness. It's about your heart. Don't go, yeah, but man, look at how little I make. My, my percentages, it's just, it's nothing. You know, go after the rich people. God says, no, 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 that's not about that. If you only have little, you think God is disappointed in the Macedonian churches? They're in extreme poverty. And they gave beyond their means. And God goes, you know what? That's what I'm after is the readiness. Don't, don't feel bad. Going, I'm not a rich guy. You know, don't waste your time with me. It's like, no, God is concerned about your heart. It goes on in verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased. And we'll close with this. I don't mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. So that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. He says, let me be very clear, you guys. He goes, Corinthian church, rich church, Simi Valley, Cornerstone. I am not saying that you should give everything and you live in poverty and you're struggling. And, and meanwhile, you gave so much that people in Haiti are kicking back and life is easy for them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying switch places. He goes, but what I'm asking for is fairness. He goes, fairness, that your abundance at the present time should supply their need. And there could come a day when their abundance will supply your need. That there may be fairness. Now understand fairness. God, God's picture of fairness, his idea of fairness is very different from what we call fairness in our country. Fairness to us is, look, you didn't create me. I got here on my own. And I worked my way up to where I, I worked hard for my money. I pulled it off, and so I should take care of me. And if I get some left over, that's fine. You know, I'll help, but, but you know what? This is mine, and that's what's fair, is I have every right to my money. I have a right to store up and enjoy good things for myself because I'm the one that worked for it. God's idea of fairness, God thinks differently than you. God says, no, actually, I did make you. You wouldn't even be breathing without me. And I put you in Southern California where you had an opportunity to make some money. And I gave you a brain that, that functions well so that you could make, I gave you that. I gave you that ability. I gave you that family. I gave you those things. And so my idea of fairness is I put you in that situation and I put other people in lesser situations. And I put them there and they're going to be in need. And what I see as fair is that you take that abundance and you give to them. That's my idea. So then that there's equality, as some of your Bibles say, that there would be equality. And someday, maybe, maybe they're going to have more, and then I want them to be fair and equal it out with you. He goes, it's just like it was written in the Old Testament. What was it written? It says, whoever gathered much had what? Stored up a bunch in their barn? No, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. It's going back to the Exodus. Remember when God provided manna for them in the desert. Food miraculously showed up. It wasn't there. They didn't earn it. God just put it there. Now some people were able to gather a bunch and other people for whatever reason couldn't gather a whole lot. 
And so what God says, okay, what's fair is not, hey, you guys worked hard and gathered a bunch. He goes, what's fair is those of you who have a bunch, look for people who don't have a whole lot and give it to the point where you have nothing left over and give it to the point where those who don't have a whole lot, they don't lack anything. He goes, that's fair. That's exactly what they talk about in the early church, right? There was no one in need because whoever had much, they just gave it to those who were, it it was just this, this working out. It was a beautiful, beautiful system, but that's what God calls fairness. And it may be different from what you were raised with or even taught in the church. But I, I, man, don't take my word for it. I'm not making anything up here. Read it yourself. Read the simple. You can read through 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, the, 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 The bottom line is, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. And it's only by the grace of God that I can become like those Macedonians. And I thank God that he's taken me to this point. And now my prayer is, God, take me the rest of the way. Because haven't you tasted and seen that giving is good? You know? When you give and, you know, when I show you pictures, hey, look what we built here. Look what we built here. You people coming out of the hospital. Oh, the people coming out of the schools. Look at these kids. They're fed now. It's like, wow, this is good. This is good. There's a joy in giving. This is the blessing we get. Is at the end of your life, you're not the same selfish person that you were years ago. You're not the same unforgiving person you were years ago. You become more and more like Christ. And it's a good thing. I would love to be in the shoes of the Macedonians right now, wouldn't you? Up in heaven, probably reaping a ton forever. Meanwhile, there are millions and millions of people who have lived their lives for themselves, who spent their lives that way, who didn't take God's call to worry about themselves and to repent. And I believe they regret having lived lives for themselves understand that's what this is always about um, because I don't want us to ever get to this point where you feel guilty and feel like you have to give to God Um, but from what I understand in scripture is God gives us a new heart that makes us like the Macedonians that beg and that's what I love this week (laughs) some of you are just like come on you got to tell us you know who to give this to what do you and I'm like just Give to the church. Let the elders. We're struggling right now. We're, we're, we're working. We're trying to figure out best way to, to, to give it. And just go for it. But whatever you do, do it out of joy. Do it out of joy. Because God doesn't need our money. It's just awesome serving him. I love serving him. I love teaching. I love just, you know, even this morning I go, man, I'm looking forward to teaching again. Like, it's not a bummer to me. It's, it's just like, I mean, sometimes it is. But, you know, but... It's just, I don't know what else I would do with myself. In the same way with giving. It's like, I don't know what I would do. Just keep buying stuff for myself. And um, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And, and uh, I, I want to give you some time, though, just to pray for yourself. Because I want you to get the spirit of this thing. Okay? If you don't want to give, don't. Okay? But if you want to become a giver, pray for the grace of God in your life. Man, I've been praying for this for you. I've praying this for you this week. I go, God, I don't want... Maybe when I was earlier, it was just like, okay, let's see if we can get a big offering. It's not about that anymore. You know what? It's, it's going to come and go. Everything's going to work out. But more, I just I want you to know the joy. It's so good to follow God. It's so good to be a giver. 
And one day, we're going to see just how good it was that we did give. So right now, just, just bow your heads, and I want you to have a time like I had this morning, where I just confess to God, and I just beg God for His grace in my life, that I'd be less about me and more about Him. Just start praying to Him and ask that. And if you need prayer, there'll be people up by the prayer room. Because maybe some of you never have had His Spirit come into you. You never gave your life to Him. And if that's you, first things first. Let's get you forgiven by God. Let's get you in a right relationship with Him. Let's have Him put His Spirit in you so that you can become this person. And if that's your desire and you want to get baptized today, you can do that. So at any time during the worship, there'll be some pastors up here by their prayer room. And just pray with them.